Hi everyone, welcome. And today I have one of the most interesting characters I have ever met in my life. His name is Tarun Chandna. Uh, he is the CEO of two organizations, both in the learning and development space, uh, one for children and one for adults. Uh, they are called Inmi and Expert. And uh, very early in his life, he hit upon a completely different track compared to the rest of us. And I would actually call him a maverick in some sense. Today, we can learn a lot about having fun in life at the same time, enjoying life and creating a big impact to the society. So uh, welcome, Tarun. Hi, how are you? Glad to be here, Ranji. So uh, for the information of everybody else, Tarun and I were classmates at XLRI. Uh, we, uh, uh, we completed our uh, uh, graduation way back in 1992. And uh, Tarun has always been an extremely standout character within XLRI. So Tarun, here's the first question for you. The first time I met you, I was actually very intimidated by you. You're one of the typical brash Delhiites, a person who, uh, <laughs> who as a poor South Indian, I was like very scared of. Uh, and I was, I was fairly uh, introverted at that time. And you were like one total extrovert, larger than life. And I used to be very scared of approaching you. Later on, I realized that you're one of the, you, you're, you're very different from your, that persona, which I thought you were. And you also, you, I think you transformed over the period of two years in some sense. Uh, so can you tell me a little bit about that journey, you know, from being a, uh, Delhiite, uh, brash Delhiite, as I call it, a Punjab uh, brash Delhiite, to somebody who is very com comfortable mixing with a large number of people. So I think uh, there were there were many many things that led to that. One, yes, you you are right. I grew up in Delhi and on the rough streets of West Delhi, as I would call it, uh, where you had to be street smart to survive. You couldn't cry, you couldn't cry wolf, you couldn't, you had to manage on your own and you had to make friends. And you had to have an exterior which was tough, right? So that people didn't bully you. Uh, and I was bullied. I was a very short-statured kid when I was growing up. I grew up only after class 8th or ninth or something. Oh, interesting. But, yeah. So I was bullied a lot. In fact, in KG, I was cut from my eye by a blade by someone. So, so I had to build that kind of stuff, right? So that is what you saw as the external persona. But for Excel, for me, Excel was a big comfort zone. I had lots of friends in the senior batch. Uh, I was actually the batch. I mean, a lot of my friends from my batch in school and college joined Excel a year before. Very, some of my closest friends. And all they told me, they are a great number of people, make friends, have fun, you know, enjoy it. Classes are good, education is okay, but you'll get through that because there's so much of group work, etc. that you, you have to kind of either shape up or, you know. So most people do tend to shape up and get into the rhythm, even if they're not academically inclined, which I was. Uh, so I was very open. I had no trepidation about the experience. And therefore, I made friends across both the batches in the initial year. Right? There was just so much diversity that it was like, for me, it was like being a kid in a candy store. Because I enjoy people, I, I really get close to people, I have deep relationships with a lot of people. And it was like, it was meant for me, in a way. And as much as you might think that I got my networking through partying, etc., I think for me, it was through being more into experiences. So as I was, you know, 
reminiscing, I used to play nine, ten sports in XLR. Right, yeah. right. So I would be interacting with the volleyball guys, the basketball guys, you know, the cricket guys, the football guys, the hockey guys. So it was it was just a myriad of I made connections in various ways. Right? And Excel kind of forces you to do that too. So very so true. That, yeah. In fact, in fact, all of us actually grew up substantially in Excel thanks to the huge diversity of the kind of people there. And uh, and also the fact that it was such a small campus that all of us had to interact and mingle uh, so much. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that helped all of us actually, uh, you know, smoothen out all the rough edges in our personalities. Yeah. And I think just the way the curriculum was designed that you had, you know, seven courses and seven group projects and each group was a different yeah, thing, you know, completely different. That's very true. With somebody who was completely intellectual and somebody who was completely freaking out in life, you know, in the same group. And you learn to work with each other. You learn to work with people no matter who they were, what their ethnicity was, what their background was. Right. True. Yeah. So I think, and actually that was the biggest thing. And I, now I make a living out of getting people to work together. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, and you do a very good job of it. So, uh, l- just moving on to the next part. Of, uh, so, uh, since the entire talk today is called fun, friendship, and focus, I'm going mm-hmm. to cover the fun part first. And uh, in XLRI, you are, uh, your entire journey can maybe be described as a continuous pursuit of happiness, nonstop mm-hmm. pursuit of happiness. <laughs> and, uh, so, uh, you know, I, I just want you to tell me a few of the milder escapades that you had. I don't want to shock the hell out of the audience or not the... No, 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 no milder escapades. I think it's like anybody's college life. I, I wasn't uh, there. I was probably out there more than most people. But, um, I, you know, I just believe in not taking yourself too seriously, right? I think we're just a small speck in this whole yeah. universe. I think sometimes we take ourselves too seriously. So if you just just let go and just have fun, laugh a lot is what was basically my driver was laughing and cracking jokes and you know and uh, so if you notice my friends were people whose laughter was heard through Excel at 2 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> it was all about just having a great time while you're at it and it hasn't changed much for me in life. I work still with four of my best friends from XLR. Yeah. I mean, we've been together. Right. So you can have different uh, versions of success in your life. For me, it was actually someone told us, how can you five friends get together or four friends get together? It never really works, right? Well, Even it did for you. <laughs> so almost it was about proving people wrong that it can work, yeah. you know. So a lot of my life is, has been about doing what a lot of people think is impossible, which actually isn't, it's, it's quite simple. So, so if you want to make it work, you make it work. Now you've been together for what, 30 years, I yeah. mean, best friends. So still best friends. And we have a lot of fun, you know, I mean, going to office for me is like going to the Excel cafe or, or Dadu's or like a canteen. I, we sit on the same table and we just chat and we do work when we have to. The rest of the time we're just chatting. And, anyway. that, 
I think that's an amazing input. Huh? So, see, the thing is, uh, at the end of the day, all of us spend about one third of our life or actually more than half of our waking hours at work uh, for a large part of our life. And it's so important <laughs> to have great friends along with you. Uh, you are very lucky that you uh, actually had the best friends along with you when you started the journey. But even people who get into other companies and work there, you can you can focus on this aspect, right? Have fun. Don't take yourself too seriously. And ensure that you laugh a lot with the people that who are around you all the time. Uh, yeah. That will, you know, that will actually make things so much nicer for yourself as a person. Your journey becomes so much nicer. So someone told me, yeah, friends ke saath kaam nahi karna <laughs> Don't work with friends. Oh my God. <laughs> so one of my really close friends was sitting next to me and he said, so kya dushmano ke saath karoge? <laughs> I mean, so when you work with your enemies, so yeah. if you cannot work with your best friends, just imagine how can you work with a stranger? Very true. Yeah. Right. So I very strongly believe in a workplace, the real key to success in a workplace is complete trust among people who work there. I'm just sort of flipping it around a bit from what you said. You said it will be great to work with your best friends, but everybody may not be as, uh, as lucky as you in making that happen. Uh, you end up, many people end up in, in jobs where they don't have too many friend, people they already know. But it's possible for us to make great number of friends within the organization. Yes. A and, uh, and that's what you should do, right? Rather than uh, looking at the other person as an adversary or a competitor, you try and build the bridges, find out what is common, build on that and become great pals with whoever is around you. That's what our, my dad gave us when we were getting together. My dad's advice to us, both Gaurav and me, was that when you start a business and you start it with friends or other partners, what you focus on are the strengths and what the other person is going to bring to the table. Yeah. But a couple of years later, you start focusing on the negatives in that person and not on the strengths. Right. So remember that you always must focus on the strengths and not on the negatives. I have seen so Sorry. And this whole person is a package. You can't have one without the other. So you have to accept and move on and work with that. I have seen this playing out in company after company, especially in startup companies, where mm -hmm. uh, the, the CEO takes a decision to bring in somebody who is high quality into the organization, looking at the strengths. And then within about a year or two, start figuring out that that person is not a perfect person. The yeah. point is nobody is perfect. And we should remember that evolution has made us look for the negatives in people or in situations rather than the positives. We are biased towards looking for the negative. That's how we, we are like survive. We are, like we are like tuning folks. Absolutely. We can sense, we can sense a threat. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The moment I sense it. Yeah. It's, 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 it's neuro linked in my, in my psyche over millions of years. Absolutely. And so it is important for us to, uh, to force our mind to look at, look for the positive, keep building on the positive. Uh, otherwise, the problem is actually you who will go through the stress of life, right? Because you're constantly feeling under threat. <laughs> there is no other way around it. <laughs> I think constantly people have told me this can't be done. And whenever someone says this can't be done, is something that I say, okay, <laughs> let me show you it can be done. <laughs>
1995 when we were thinking of setting up kids camps in 12 hours away from Delhi at 8,000 feet on the hills in Kumau and asking parents to trust us with their children for 10 days. People thought we were mad. You know, we were 27, 28. We didn't have kids of our own. And people said, how will people trust you to give you the kids? But they did. 98 parents trusted us in 1996. And today, 10,000 kids go on our programs in a year. Amazing. So, it's about, you know, believing and then making things happen. Not everybody will think everything is impossible because they just don't know very often. So, 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 so TC, we spoke about fun and then we talk about friendship and how important that is, these two aspects. And uh, in fact, uh, you're one of the early birds, uh, one of the earliest in our batch to actually become an entrepreneur. You and... Uh, friend, friend. The earlier. <laughs> okay. So, and it was, a, it was a big thing in those days. Today, actually, startup companies are dime a dozen. But in those days, for you to chuck a job, uh, especially coming from a middle class background and then chucking a job and then getting into entrepreneurship must have been a very tough one, right? So, let's talk about that aspect of it. How did you guys uh, get into this and how did that fun and friendship actually help you in figuring out what kind of business you want to be in, how you want to drive this? So, Two or three things led to it. I was working with HCLHP and I remember that nine MBAs were given a project. Nine MBAs came back who were the so-called senior management SMTs, trainees, which they, who they treat as talent, like high-quality talent, right? Uh, and we went through a brilliant training they gave us over one and a half, probably the best training of my life, one and a half years, one and a half months into joining. Then we sent out on projects, we did the project, we came back, we were very honest and transparent. We had some suggestions. And after we gave our suggestions, my boss turned around, this was my 10th month in HCL. He turned around and told us, uh, nine MBAs from IIM Ahmedabad, Calcutta, Bangalore, XLRI, FMS sitting there. And he says, you know, you guys are right, but I've already, Shivnader has already said, to do it this way. So I can't go back to him and speak to him. <laughs> That's the moment I realized this is useless. I, I'm not going to leave, you know, <laughs> be someone who can work in an environment like this. So I basically extended my resignation the next day. Wow. And then I uh, contacted Gaurav. He was living a really nice life, comfortable life with SRF. But again, there was some unhappiness. So convinced him that we should get out on our own. There were a few opportunities in the advertising space at that time with our other friends uh, in Delhi. So there were some, you know, events, Apache India and Michael Jackson. So Michael Jackson was coming to India, all that. So we got into event management, advertising, etc. And while we were doing that, we spoke to Ronnie and Lokesh in Bombay. And they were staying together in a chamari. Mm-hmm. Ronnie was working with Godrej. Lokesh was also with HCL. So when we told them what we are planning, we used to do it on an STD phone booth. Right? <laughs> so they said, yeah, we are also sick of this. So let's try and do something together. Even we had some idea. So we went to Bombay, Gaurav and me. We left our jobs and we went to Bombay. Okay. That's where we formed our first company called Vyan. We couldn't even come up with a name. So over some beer, we, Ronnie, I think, said, yeah, what's in the name? Yeah. <laughs> so then somebody said, Oh, what's in the name is a good name. Yeah. So 
instead of a company called what's in a name called why and it was into advertising below the line advertising so and ramji we had zero revenue but we were on the cover of business today and business media. i remember that <laughs> yeah why because it was such a rarity for people to leave the comfort of jobs and to try and start something yeah and finally we made a success of that it took us 6 months to get on to our feet but within 2 2-3 years we had made enough surplus to start what what we do now which is discovery and camps in the outdoors and corporate training for people in the outdoors etc so it was a a lot of stuff happening together that led to us getting into business and taking the plunge a lot of family support uh, but we didn't uh, we started with 15000 rupees which was the lowest bank balance of one of us <laughs> as of wow. okay and it's been 30 years we haven't put in more equity that's amazing other than now in the pandemic which we had to but yeah. before that we survived on that 15000 rupees and generated everything that we have today out of that 15000 rupees investment and hard work and sweat so um So when you um, you guys sort of pivoted a, a little down the line and then decided to get into children's adventure camps, this is something which is uh, which is a huge path breaking thing in India because it, the concept didn't exist at all in the country, and for you taking a, such a big risk so early in your uh, in your entrepreneurial career, that must have been really tough, right? What made you actually get into this? And when I mean, it is paid rich dividends, but in that in that Uh, era it must have been a very difficult decision to make isn't it so so i think there were a couple of again things one is what is your barometer of success right is it making the company with the largest turnover largest employee base number one in the world what 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 is your aspiration and very often most entrepreneurs look at the financial side because that's the measurable side and that is how right you can quantify Whether you're successful or not in the business world, mm-hmm. right? Me, I wasn't ever a concern. Yeah, uh, live a simple, frugal life, not too worried about money. Money to me was always an end result of doing stuff. So before I got my Excel admission, I almost uh, I'd taken a lakh of rupees from my father, and I wanted to go to Manali in 1990, 1989. Okay. Okay. And actually, take up a job. I was a BCom honors by then from SRCC. I thought I'll take up a job either with a hotel or a bank or something. And over time, settle down in Manali and start a business, mm-hmm. so a hotel, restaurant, something like that. So me and my friend nearly had made this plan, mm-hmm. and we would have gone in three months. But my Excel admission came, and I put it off for two years, and then it never happened. So I wanted to live in the hills all through my life. My family belongs to Dehradun and Masuri. When we shifted from the northwest frontier during the partition, we went to Dehradun. That's where my family kind of came back when they came back from Pakistan. Right. And we grew up in that refugee kind of outlook where, was you had to work hard, you had to take initiative, you had to be bright. Right. You had to make success your own. You know, mm. there's no way you had support, kind of stuff. So, uh, a lot of our holidays used to be in the hills. Mm-hmm. till this date i am trying to achieve that mm-hmm. i haven't achieved that i get to live periods of my time i have two houses in the hills which i built where i thought i will go and settle right but but life takes on you know you have parents to take care of you have children to send to college 
life takes on and that's why i say one of the biggest learnings for me is john lennon's song called you know life is what happens to you when you're busy making other plans <laughs> very good one so second is that uh, we were uh, introduced to outbound training as part of a training course in xlri by abhijit badhuri mm-hmm. he used to then work for tisco okay and he was a visiting prof mm-hmm. so he explained that tisco and telco sometimes use outdoor education they take treks to dalma and all right so that also stuck in our head that we could use our background mm-hmm. on psychology organizational behavior hr personal development whatever mm-hmm. to get into this area both for kids and for couples right and therefore we approached some very senior faculty mm-hmm. you know people who mentored us for the next 5 years so we would become their apprentices and we learned from dr bupin chavastava uh renu rajpal professor sarangi so there were just so many people who were from the behavioral field isats istd uh, who started running programs with us okay for corporate we would go sell an outbound training program for their teams and they would send us the teams but we would always have a senior faculty running the program right and over 5 years gorav and i definitely got mentored in the art of facilitation right we had no formal training in it other than xlr which was a fact yeah and then we started to innovate because we could do stuff which was being done in the classroom using outdoor stuff right which then brought the whole body action you know you can theoretically say in a survival desert survival plane crash exercise i will carry a knife but when you are actually in a situation <laughs> you forget to carry the knife yeah 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 so you make wrong choices yeah so we quickly realized that just intellect is not what drives action right intellect plus emotion and emotion being a larger part that drives or prevents you from action right and therefore we started incorporating emotional intelligence way before daniel goldman wrote his book mm-hmm. into our programs without knowing it was emotional intelligence but that's what it was right uh and uh, soon we we started reading we self taught ourselves i attended programs abroad we did some accreditations in mbti and stuff like that and slowly made yourself into a facilitator and uh i think the proof of the pudding is in the eating uh, till today most of our work is incoming calls most means i'm saying 99% that's amazing we have ever called out to get business that's because anybody who works with us once sees the value and then they you know come back to us whenever they feel they need us we never really reach out so over now last 25 years 30 years i've probably worked with a thousand senior ceo teams you know yeah yeah imagine working with that caliber all the time you learn so much from them yeah you know they they are leaders of large organizations you know right uh, so they have solid metal solid quality solid intellect solid leadership uh, acumen so you learn a lot from these teams and therefore that's how you build your you know keep your river of knowledge rich yeah you know so right. it's more practical since we run businesses we run a very large children's business right right uh and it's very logistical it's very customer oriented needs a lot of touch points we run that business so we understand practicality yeah so 
we are not theoretical consultants we call ourselves practicing professionals yeah i think that 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 is very true right have running a running a very complex business complex and highly sensitive business i mean because when you are handling children even the yeah. smallest issue can become blown out of proportion right and handling something like that would have given you such rich experience to be able to interact with a set of ceos cxos at the same time the learning that you get from them when you are actually facilitating their learning is something which you can plug back in your work as well so bang on so it's a totally symbiotic relationship yeah yeah you know you learn about strategy or someone did something smart in marketing you come back and you know <laughs> right and what you did and your experience in customer service yeah uh, which what we pride ourselves on so our motto in life is it's all about them and never about us uh, so the focus them, on learning and focus on uh, delivering great customer experience i think that is what really got you guys here right yeah yeah and we we do that in every business of us now right. in the pandemic we were forced to start uh, uh, a tourism business right because wow. we had these kids and kids can't go out and corporates weren't doing training right so what do we do with all this infrastructure it yeah. just rot into years so we right. started doing tourism right. we started sending people on family holidays etc and then we came up with this concept of a music concert in the hills hmm. called unplug right and ramji i can tell you when that event finished mm-hmm. again people told me nobody will come <laughs> okay i had 55 people paying to come for that event wow full house okay. i didn't have more capacity i didn't have more tents to give people right right and i told my team that for me when that event finished it was the feeling i got when the first bus load of kids went back from sitla kids in 1996 <laughs> Yes. of having pulled off something which people thought was impossible yeah yeah right so and now we are going to do six of those events wow uh, next is november 4th to 6th in rishikesh we already have singers i have 70 singers on my list now wow right? fantastic coming the whole thing yeah it's become a whole new business idea new business model fabulous so, yeah it's fabulous Uh, to be an entrepreneur because you can do what you want yeah so so actually what you're saying is uh, uh, covid actually even though it impact i'm sure it impacted you and all, all this is massive almost died yeah. almost became extinct yeah. but you could find silver linings in that which helped you create new businesses new avenues which are now becoming full fledged business avenues by themselves two three big learnings from the pandemic Tell me. Okay, we have never raised funds before in our life because we didn't want to be answerable to anyone. Mm-hmm. But the pandemic, there was either a choice of raising funds or shutting down. Right. Right. So, other than our own savings, which we put in, we went around with a bowl and said, "Hey, this is our business. This is what we think its value was before the pandemic. Let's half it, and we are willing to sell ten percent of or twelve percent of our equity for that." Right. and you know go back to our first question about my friendships in xlr right yeah about 10 12 15 of our classmates have invested in our company wow right right in the last two years fantastic right whether it's shubha whether it's ngt whether it's uh, manish whether and radhika whether it's uh, pj 
whether it is uh, uh, Pavan Bhatia, uh, Anand, Dadaji, Mishti, <laughs> you know, you name it. You know, we have some 15 investors from XLRI from the two batches. Wonderful. Yeah. So, um, very, very grateful for them. And so it's actually put a new lease of life in it, in us because now we were very comfortable financially and all between these two businesses, right? <laughs> between the kids and this. And, but the pandemic kind of took that comfort away. Yeah. And now we also feel we are indebted to people who helped us. So we don't have a choice but to build a, a bigger business, self-sustainable, reduces <laughs> dividends not just for us but for the shareholders as well. Yeah. Otherwise, we were the shareholders, right? So right. You know, it wasn't such a big deal. So we are now uh, taking business a lot more seriously than we did and growth and you know expansion. Uh, secondly, what we realized is that you know, one of my friends used to say, when the river comes down, mm -hmm. that's when you see the plastic on the sides. <laughs> and the garbage on the sides. Right? <laughs> when the river is high, yeah, all the garbage yeah. is submerged. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> so when your business is doing well, you have cash flows, you are in profit, you are running, uh, you are getting enough salary, you are happy. You don't you worry. imperfections. Yeah. But when the river goes down, that's when you realize that, hey, you were carrying a lot of load. With yeah, yeah. And therefore, you were carrying inefficiency. Right. Uh, we've grown to a huge organization with a huge overhead. Supporting that overhead pandemic became a huge challenge. Right. You know, these are people who worked with us for 10, 12, 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. People who join us very seldomly and we don't chuck people out. So right. You know, so like that, it... It just made us feel a lot more cost conscious and overhead conscious. And now we know how we can raise our EBIT. Right. Know, we didn't. Now we know. Right. So, uh, so that's it. Th that was the second biggest learning. And the third biggest learning was that if we were around at the end of this, there will be opportunities because a lot of people will succumb. Right. To the pandemic. And that's exactly what happened. Now we have opportunities where we are tying up, collaborating with people. We're opening a new campsite now near Bangalore, which we could have never imagined in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 20 kilometers from the Bangalore airport. Very difficult to, you know, even think of a campsite in that area because land price is so expensive. But, you know, uh, those opportunities came up now. So, Desi, we've uh, covered a fun, friendship and focus part of your uh, journey. Now, I know it's difficult being the kind of persona that you have to associate tragedy with you. But uh, you had an early tragedy where your wife and our classmate, Anna, passed away early. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that part of, the, part of your journey? Uh, Ramji again goes back to transparency in relationships. Uh, Anna was... Uh, had this illness since she was two, and a lot of us knew it in Excel that she wasn't yeah. always there. But she had told me that she, in the near future, would need a liver transplant. And in those days, a liver transplant was almost an impossibility. Yeah, yeah. True. And since you're not a citizen of the US or UK or Australia, you had very, you were very back on the list, and there were very rare chances that you'd ever. But somehow, mm -hmm. because we kept trying, and Anna you know, was very in touch with her doctors and very on top of her disease and basically took total total control of her own uh, 
treatment. Um, she knew pretty much as much about liver transplants as much as doctors. And so yeah. <laughs> and over time, I also got educated. In that. Right. So, uh, so we were very fortunate. And when even when we got married, you know, Anna's parents came down to meet my parents with all her medical reports and gave her gave us the medical reports and said, get a consult with your family doctor. And my dad and mother did. That's amazing. And, huh? What a story. And my parents were told, your son should marry this girl. Hmm. You know, this is going to lead to tragedy. Yeah. yeah. You know? So, but for Anna and me, it was, yeah, even if we had 10 years together, it was worth it for right. her and it was worth it for me. So that's how we looked at it. So, what you call a tragedy, me and Anna actually looked at it that when she had a transplant, we got a new lease of life. She nearly died in 2002. Yeah. Yeah. And then she passed away only in 2015. So she got a 13 extra year and she was able to fulfill her goal. If you read her book, yeah. uh, her goal was to get Aditi to 18, which is her daughter. Yeah. The year Aditi turned 18 and she was going to the US for her studies is the year she passed away. And you know, even before her death, I think she knew that she's going to go when she got that bout of illness. Really? She would be in and out of hospital. So none of us, you know, we would say she has nine lives. She herself would say, you know, mm. she has nine lives mm. and she survived. But this time when she went in, me and Aditi were actually in Delhi and she was in Kerala and she called me and said, you should come. I said, oh, it's just a small chest infection. You'll be back home. I'll come after. Aditi had a visa interview actually for America. Mm -hmm. That's why she was here. And uh, she said, no, you guys should come now. So later when I reread her book, I realized that she probably knew because she knew that most transplant patients in the end die of pneumonia. My God. Uh, because mm -hmm. of immunity. Yeah. So she had contracted that particular pneumonia and she Oof. knew. My God. So, yeah. And then it was a matter of four or five days and, and she passed away. But... Uh, yes, it was a shock and it, it's not a great experience to live through. But, you know, life is like that. Yeah, it's a train journey. People get on and get off. and You should make the best of it with the people who are in your box at that time. Wonderful. That's a great philosophy. People will get on at some station. And who knows when I get off, you know. So, Good point. So, yeah, I mean, you've had your own personal challenges, uh, uh, colon cancer, uh, and uh, uh, you treated that and uh, you had a relapse. So life has been tough on that sense. Yeah, but if I look back, it's been, I was diagnosed in 2018 October. It's nearly been four years now. And uh, though you would believe, and that's what I believe when first time I realized, shit, I have cancer. <laughs> and, uh, it's almost a death knell, right? And right. I've experienced cancer because it's in my family. My mother died of cancer. Right. All her sisters had cancer. Some are living, some died. So it's it's in the family. My cousin died at the age of 21 with leukemia. Yeah. So it was a big shock. But I wish doctors would tell people that it's not the end of your life at that moment. Right. You know, maybe they don't because they want you to take it seriously and work at it. But and maybe I'm lucky or whatever, or I'm an outlier. I, but my experience with cancer has not been as bad as there's been pain. There's been 
uh, you know, chemo, radiation, lots of it. I mean, I've gone through lots of it. It is a metastatic cancer now, so it's in my body. Uh, right now, I'm cancer-free. Don't know for how long it's lived. I, I told someone jokingly, now I'm a real CEO. I'm living quarter by quarter. That's my pet CT report. <laughs> <laughs> so hard if I didn't make it to Wall Street. <laughs> Nice one, Daisy. Yeah, I really love your attitude towards life. Huh? So a lot of learnings which came through in this uh, talk. Thanks a ton, Daisy. Uh, I think we are sort of out of time now. Last one, Ramji, before you shut me out, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Another line from another song by Jim Morrison. Uh-huh. It says, I'm going to get my kicks before the whole shit house goes up in flames. <laughs> right? so, so, Sooner or later, this life will end and you should get your kids and enjoy it and experience as much as you can. My philosophy in life is exactly the same. Every moment of your life, you should just maximize, enjoy every moment of your life and uh, don't, don't sweat the small stuff. Look at the positives in every moment and leave it fully to the maximum. If there is no sadness, there'll be no joy. There is joy only because there is sadness. Thank you so much, TC. Thanks a ton for your time. Uh, I think that is a very enlightening and entertaining talk. And so it's all about fun, friendship and focus and, uh, and laughter, of course. Yeah. Thank you so much. And uh, so uh, people, uh, if you like this, please subscribe to the channel. Don't go without subscribing. Click on that button. Thank you so much. And we'll bring a lot more interesting stuff for you uh, as we go by. Thank you so much.